Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. Today, Dr. Michael L. Brown will provide us with the facts and understanding needed to respond to difficult questions biblically and stay rooted in your faith even when others seem to be abandoning theirs. Southwest Radio Ministries and Watchmen on the Wall are celebrating 90 years of proclaiming the truth that God is still on the throne and prayer changes things. As you and your family make plans for the summer, make sure you put one of our upcoming conferences on your calendar. August 11th and 12th, Bill Federer leads a lineup of speakers ready to bring clarity to the chaos in Colorado Springs. On Saturday, September 30th, a special one-day conference will be held in Des Moines, Iowa, featuring Michael Hoggard, Greg Patton, Larry Stamm, and Micah Van Hus. And our largest conference of the year will be a massive three-day conference in Columbus, Ohio, October 26th through the 28th. Over a dozen speakers, including our special keynote speaker, Jonathan Kahn. Registration for these conferences is now open. Call 1-800-652-1144 and reserve your spot. Seats are filling up, so don't miss your opportunity to hear Jonathan Kahn live and in person. Visit the events page of our website, swrc.com, or give us a call, 1-800-652-1144. I also wanted to give you an update on our Meeting the Mission effort. Meeting the Mission is our special effort to match the $1 million gift SWRC has been blessed with. We're hearing from individuals and families from all over the United States and Canada. Everyone participating is how we'll meet the goal. When you give to Southwest Radio Ministries, your gift will be matched. $25 becomes $50. $50 becomes $100. You'll double your impact and ensure that Watchmen on the Wall and all of our ministries will be able to bring clarity to the chaos for many, many years to come. Friends, would you consider giving $90 in recognition of our 90th anniversary? Like all gifts given at this time, your support will be doubled, and it will go toward meeting the match. 1-800-652-1144 is the number to call and show your support for SWRC. You can also be part of the match by giving on our website, supportswrc.com. You can also give by way of your mobile device. Simply text 9490 to 91999. That's 90 to 91999. $90 in honor of our 90th anniversary would be an outstanding way to show your support and it's doubled during this dollar-for-dollar dollar match. Thank you. Thank you so much for your support of Watchmen on the Wall and Southwest Radio Ministries. Our host, Dr. Larry Spargimino, is here with his guest, Dr. Michael L. Brown. Today, they begin a brand new series. You and I will be provided with the facts and understanding we need to respond to difficult questions biblically and to stay rooted in our faith even when others seem to be abandoning theirs. Here is Dr. Spargimino. Our guest for this program and the next is Dr. Michael L. Brown. He is the author of more than 40 books, 
He is host of the nationally syndicated daily talk radio show, The Line of Fire. Dr. Brown is a powerful voice for moral sanity and spiritual clarity. He always speaks the truth in love. Dr. Brown's columns appear on many websites, and his scholarly publications range from biblical commentaries to articles in Semitic journals. Dr. Brown has debated gay activists, agnostic professors, and Orthodox rabbis on university campuses. He's also president of Ask Dr. Brown Ministries. Thank you so much, Dr. Brown, for being with us on the show. You're always a great delight to read your books and, and to visit with you. Well, it's a joy to be with you. Thanks for having me. The title of your book is Why So Many Christians Have Left the Faith. Is this leaving part of some kind of a great end-time apostasy that the Bible speaks about? And uh, should we just say, well, that's the way it is. There's not much we can do about it? It's possible that what's happening now is part of, of an end-time apostasy, you know, Jesus does speak about the, the love of many waxing cold because iniquity abounds, and there are other passages that, that seem to point to an end-time rebellion. I mean, we can differ about interpretation of the end times, but the real question is, rather than speculating about that, what we do know is that people who profess faith in Jesus have left the church, pastors, seminary professors, worship leaders, young people, and we need to ask why so we can do something about it, because throughout Scripture... There's a call for backsliders to come home. Throughout Scripture, we're, we're told to reach out. You know, the book of Jude tells us to have mercy on those who doubt. And James, the fifth chapter, says if, if a brother or a sister leaves the faith, they, they depart, and you can bring them back. You save the soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. So even beyond questions about once saved, always saved, or all these things, we know there is something taking place where people who we knew as brothers and sisters in the Lord, some of whom were leaders in the church, in, in numbers that are much higher than we normally see, yes. they no longer believe. They've left the church. So why is that? What can we do about it? And that's why I wrote the book, Why So Many Christians Have Left the Faith. Not to speculate, but to give us practical answers. Yes, there's a lot of practical information in it. But just to think a little bit for a moment before we proceed, what about the reports of revival? I'm thinking of the Asbury Revival and how there are some really amazing accounts from the Muslim world of people being saved. I'm involved with a church and Christian school in Pakistan. They're having challenges, but the Word of God is getting out, and people are coming to Jesus, all despite the obstacles. And then I'm thinking of a pastor in India who is doing an amazing work. His name is Kumar Sadish. I think you've you visited with him. It's a wonderful success story. Lots of good things are happening, too. So how does this all fit together? I'm so glad you raised that, because around the world, more people are getting saved yes. every year than ever before in world history. Maybe in North America and Europe, we've seen a lot of apostasy and backsliding, but around the world, this is the ripest the harvest ever been. I've been yes. to India 28 times. Yes. I've been overseas over 160 times. I'm an eyewitness to the harvest, what God's doing. We have grads from our, our former ministry school that are serving in the Muslim world, and they will attest that in the last 50 years, more Muslims have come to faith than probably the previous 1,400 combined. Yes. And within America, I have believed for years that there's going to be another wave of revival. So in the midst mm. of the darkness and, and moral depravity, that there's going to be another moving of God. And I have been in so many churches in America in the last year, especially post-COVID as I've been traveling, 
where I'm seeing young people flocking, where I'm seeing altars yes. filled. I don't Amen. mean to a cheap message. I mean to a real message of yes. repentance. I became so sure of this that on January 30th, on my own radio show, The Line of Fire, I said the first wave of the next revival has begun. Eight days later, things exploded at Asbury, and to me that was just God's way of mm. getting attention on the subject of revival, because I don't believe everyone's supposed to be flocking to one place. I believe we're going to see God moving all over America. So for those who are discouraged, you've been laboring, you've been praying, you're seeing very, very little fruit, people not interested in the gospel, be encouraged because yes. God is moving, God is answering prayer. So we have the two things happening at the same time. Yes. We have a great harvest of many flooding in, and we're having a real challenge with the apostasy of others. But absolutely, we, we must not just hang our heads and think it's all over. Mm. To the contrary, wow. God's making it very clear he's not done yet. Amen. I, I believe that firmly. I pastor a bilingual church, Mandarin and English. I'm familiar with what's happening in China. Despite all the surveillance, the arrest, the brutality, I mean, the Chinese church is growing unbelievably fast. The harder they try to exterminate it, the more it explodes. So, praise the Lord. I thank you for the comments that you've just shared. Yeah, and I'm so glad, again, to hear you say that we've had grads that were in China for many, many years and, and became close with some of the key leaders of the mm, underground church yes. there. And what happens is, the more the government gets oppressive and ugly, or the more you have like a radical Islamic sect like ISIS, people on the ground see that, mm. and they know this is not right. And even though it gets very hard to serve God in the midst of it, the, these attacks by the government or by, by these other religions often backfire. You know, in, in India, there's a real attempt to outlaw Christianity. Yes. And the, the Hindu government is getting stronger and stronger, and yet the church is growing more and more in the midst of it. What Satan means for evil, God turns around and uses for good. I picked up some video of Kumar Sadish. I think at the beginning of the COVID-19 thing, I think they had fed three million people. I know our IT man's got some photographs from the air looking down at the convoy, and people were being saved, even though the Hindu government was very uncomfortable with that. And Pastor Sadish said he didn't put any gospel tracts with the food. He did it very carefully, very wisely, very prudently. Yet there was an explosion of people getting saved. They realized where this love, this power, this show of force, and, and love for people everywhere, where it was coming from. So praise the Lord. But anyhow, we do want to talk about a leaving. You know, we look at some of the big-name people who have left the faith. Joshua Harris, he says he wants to apologize to the LGBTQ community. He's the man who played a key role in the purity culture, leaving his wife after 20 years of marriage. Marty Sampson, the popular Hillsong worship leader, Jonathan Steingart, on and on, and then Paul Maxwell, a man who has a PhD from Trinity Evangelical Divinity School, highly credentialed, were all shocked. So my question is this, is there anything that is common with all of these Christian leaders, especially leaders, a, a common symptom, a common way of thinking, a common way of looking at life, or are they all very different? So on the one hand, every story is unique, right? And we can't look at things in a cookie-cutter way. But I will say this. There is clearly, in some cases, a taking on the spirit of the age, where we identify more with the world and the attitude and the mindset of the world than we do with the Word of God. And, and as we begin to now reread Scripture through this different lens, our beliefs change and shift. 
The other thing that I've seen from the individuals that I've spoken to, almost every single one of them that was a former Christian, said they were evangelical, strong in the Lord and all of this, and now are agnostic or atheistic. Mm -hmm. Again, I can't say this universally, but in case after case that I've spoken to, when I've asked them, tell me about your former experience in God. Tell me about something that happened in answer to prayer, or something that you saw God do that at that time, the only way you could explain it was a miracle. You may have a different answer now, but at that time, the only way you could explain it was the hand of God. And none of them could give me anything. You know, one guy said, I used to get goosebumps. Or uh, another guy said, well, I felt convicted to keep the speed limit as a Christian. And even when I was late getting places, I would get there on time. And and I said, no, no, I mean something where God worked supernaturally in your life in an undeniable way. Again, you may have a different explanation for it now, but give me accounts of that. And none of them could give me anything. So... It's not to say that they weren't born again, God knows, but they were somehow lacking in the real experience of God. Yes, we base our faith on what's written in the Word, but what's written in the Word tells us that we serve a living God who is acting in living ways. And and look, over the years, I've been in the Lord 51 plus years now, there's so many things, you start to recount them, you lose track of of divine leadings, divine interventions, answers to prayer. I don't mean... I'm late, and now the traffic suddenly opens up, and I get there on time. No, that happens every day to everybody, right? You get late, you get early, whatever. No, I'm talking about when you feel moved on to pray for someone, you have no idea what's going on in their lives, only to find out six months later that at that very day, at that very moment, they were going through a terrible crisis, and the prayer you prayed was the prayer God answered, or where you felt distinctly you were supposed to step out in faith and do something, and God supernaturally backed it, or, or whatever it is, or, or someone that was miraculously healed. I don't mean that we press a button and get a miracle every day, but for sure, there should be some supernatural evidence that we are children of God. Mm. And, I, and that was an interesting thing that was lacking. Uh, Leonard Ravenhill, author of Why Revival Tarries, who right. became a close friend in the last five years of his life, he used to say, the man with an experience is never at the mercy of a man with an argument. And you think of the blind man in John 9, who said, look, I don't want to use sinner or no, I, I don't know. I can just tell you that I was blind and now I see. Whoever this guy is, I know I was blind and now I see. So that's not the, the depth of our theology, but it is the reality of our experience. Well, friends, we're visiting with Dr. Michael L. Brown. He is the author of Why So Many Christians Have Left the Faith. This is a book that you will want to have, our toll-free number, one 800 Dr. Brown, I noticed that there seems to be a growing sympathy, even in evangelical circles, with the LGBTQ plus movement. Why the reason for this growing sympathy? I mean, we shouldn't hate these people. We should love them. But it seems like there's some magnetism there that they're just have a way of collecting disciples, so to speak. What's going on here? several things. So there's a whole chapter in the book, if gay is good, the church is bad. Right. So there has been a shifting of sympathies so that kids especially grow up today with the sense that it's their moral duty to defend their gay classmate, their trans-identified classmate. And I appreciate the empathy. I appreciate the love for the one that seems to be an outsider or marginalized. But what's happened is now that we've lost sense of what's right, what's wrong, what's good, what's bad. So you side with this trans-identified girl 
who's going to make the terrible mistake of getting a full mastectomy at the age of 15, only to regret it in agony by the time she's 18. So the solidarity was good, but it should have then said, okay, I love you, I care for you, but there's a better way. So here's what's happened. On the one hand, it's been the way things have been positioned. I can point you to a book written in the late 1980s by gay sociologists and activists about turning the sentiments of America so that gays are the victims and the, those that differ with homosexual practice, they are the victimizers. So there's been that shift. The media has portrayed it like that, social media. So you grow up with that. That's one thing. The second thing is, what if you have a, a friend, brother, a sister, a parent, a colleague who identifies as gay or trans, and they're really nice people? And it seems, you know, aside from the fact it's a same-sex couple, that they're just like every other couple. You know, they love each other, they go to the gym together, they're raising an adopted child together. You know, why does the church hate them? And then there's the misconstruing of our message that we hate gays, that God hates gays, and all you need is a few bad apples. Like Westboro Baptist, it may be less than zero, 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 one percent of the Christian population, but that's what the media is going to portray. So there's this picture of an angry, homophobic deity who makes people gay and then damns them to hell because they're gay. There's this caricature of an angry church saying God hates you and we hate you. And then there's the sympathy for your gay or trans friend, and then the bombardment from social media and the whole education system, which so, by and large, has has bought into this. So it's just a perfect recipe. I was watching an interview with a big social media influencer, you know, very popular with Gen Z and, and young millennials, and he's telling his friend why he rejects Christianity, and he just says conversion therapy. He doesn't know anything about this. It's a word that we didn't come up with, the world came up with, as if we're kidnapping gays and subjecting to them so, to some type of terrible torture to convert them to heterosexuality. And because the church practices this, I'll never be a Christian. So all it is is this little meme, this little saying. It just trickles down. People drink this in. So we have to overcome that with patience, yeah. with love, with showing that God has a better way, and with testimonies from ex-gays who talk about what Jesus has done in their lives, testimonies from ex-trans people, and then even getting young Christians, because young Christians often get caught up with this as well. They even leave the church to say, look at God's ways. Look at how God made us. Look at the beauty of the relationship. Look at how natural it is for a couple to come together and produce a child. This is God's heart and plan and intent. So by all means, have real empathy and love for those that, that are on the fringes but now bring them into the fullness of God's love and truth rather than side with them on the fringes, reach out to them there and say, this is the way to wholeness. This is the way to find God's purpose for your life. This is the way to forgiveness. I notice, and you speak about it in your book, and you've kind of touched on it right now, but there is a rise among people, even younger and younger people, of a resistance to the Bible, resistance to God and Christianity. In fact, you speak about, I think you were in a conference with Josh McDowell, and Josh said the objections he used to run into on college campuses, he is now hearing from kids who are 12 or 13 years old. Our our culture 
seems to be on a march to destroy innocence. And uh, when I think of what's going on in school boards, and I'm thinking of the idea that so many school systems say, well, we own your kids, which is absolutely an abomination, our kids are really under attack. And a 12-year-old, a 13-year-old, sounding like a professional atheist and picking on Christianity. What is happening in our homes? Why aren't we raising our kids and teaching them and bringing them to a good Sunday school? I don't understand it, but I think this point that Josh McDowell had made, there is this trend that even seventh graders, they can debate with you on the on the so-called pros of atheism. Of course, there are none of those, but anyhow. So what's the problem? Is it education today? Is it just crazy schools or what? Here's what's happened. And I have a whole chapter on this about the, the trickle-down effect of, of the new atheism. So here's what happened. About 2006, 2007, suddenly atheist books became national bestsellers, even in the religion category. Sam Harris's books, Richard Dawkins' books, right. uh, also influential, not quite as many copies sold, but Christopher Hitchens and, and others. And people talked about the, the year of the atheist. So a, a number of people, millions of Americans read those books, but that's only a small percentage of the population as a whole. What happened is the ideology of these books, it didn't raise new arguments, just package things in a more aggressive stance. The ideology of these books began to trickle down. You get little sayings, you get little quotes, you get little memes. And as Josh McDowell and I talked about this as we were at a conference together, what happens is with, the, with kids 12 or 13, they can't process something on the, the same level that a 20-year-old can. So they're just going to kind of digest the meme. Well, that's just a Bronze Age god. This is just a Bronze Age book. Your god is a misogynist. He's a homophobe and a transphobe. He believes in genocide. They may not even know what all the words mean or the implications of them, but they've taken these things in. The assault on the Bible, someone like Professor Bart Ehrman, whom I debated about 12, 13 years ago, a former evangelical and now a best-selling agnostic-slash-atheist author and a legitimate New Testament scholar. So he wrote books attacking the reliability of the New Testament, attacking the authenticity of the sayings of Jesus. Well, in the academic world, we're all familiar with this. Here are the objections, here are the answers. Mm. But what happened was, as these trickled down to the general public, we weren't really ready for it. And, and even kids raised in good Christian homes, if parents don't really carefully monitor social media, it's right. a new thing. It's something we haven't had to deal with on this level before. I remember when our girls were growing up, the question was, could they get a pager or not, right? You know, that was the big thing. <laughs> right. And someone pages, you know, and then you go to a pay phone and call them, right? So things have changed dramatically. And even godly parents haven't realized the degree to which this insidious, anti-faith, anti-Bible, anti-God propaganda has spread, and it's spread in a brainwashing way, and then a trans kid now going through their story of how they're going from boy to girl, they're getting millions of views on TikTok, they became the the heroes, the heroines, you want to be like them, so we've got to really step back, we've got to look at what our kids are taking in, and then rather than getting threatened by it, we've got to say, okay, let's go to the places where there are answers. And, and in this yeah. book, Why So Many Christians Have Left the Faith, I give lots of answers, but then link you to lots of websites. We've even had yes. a website online where you can just go in all kinds of places to get answers for people of all ages. Your book, Why So Many Christians Have Left the Faith, is a tremendous book. 
Dr. Brown, thank you so much. My joy. We have much more from Michael Brown coming up on our next program. At a time when the Bible and Christianity are considered untrustworthy, will we choose faith or will we follow the culture? Michael Brown's new book, Why So Many Christians Have Left the Faith, will provide you with the facts and understanding you need to respond to difficult questions biblically and to stay rooted in your faith even when others seem to be abandoning theirs. Order your copy of Why So Many Christians Have Left the Faith today. Call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. We're living in unprecedented times when Christian leaders are renouncing their faith and large numbers of believers are falling away. Is this the final apostasy prophesied by Jesus and Paul? And can you and I do anything to help those struggling with their faith? In Why So Many Christians Have Left the Faith, Dr. Michael L. Brown confronts the problem of Christian deconstruction with solid, faith-building answers and honest responses to difficult questions. In his new book, he addresses what the Bible says about an end time falling away and whether that is what we're seeing in our day. The book also shows how solidarity with and sympathy for the LGBT movement has brought with it a rejection of biblical values. The book also shows the effect of leadership scandals on the credibility of the gospel, how the me-centered gospel is contributing to the current faith crisis by putting God on trial. The book also shows the contemporary objections to the Bible's moral standards, the problem of pluralism, and what the Bible does and doesn't say about future punishment in hell, while also examining the scriptural statement that God is love. Looking at the stories of those who fell away, as well as the larger cultural factors, this book offers solid answers to the major attacks against the Bible and helps readers build an unshakable faith. Order a copy for yourself and for that friend or family member who's struggling with their faith. Why So Many Christians Have Left the Faith is available today when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. You can also order Why So Many Christians Have Left the Faith at our website, swrc. That's S-W-R-C We have a special treat for you today, a special feature from our friends at Larry Stam Ministries. It's called Messianic Minute. Shalom, friends. Larry Stam here with the Messianic Minute, Biblical Connections Through Jewish Lens. In a world filled with injustice, we as God's people trust in our great God who is just and will return in perfect judgment. Moses declared in Deuteronomy 32.4, He is the rock. His work is perfect. For all his ways are justice, a God of truth and without injustice. Jesus said in John 5, 22, For the Father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the Son. And the Lord is coming to judge the earth with perfect justice. As Psalm 96, 13 proclaims, For he is coming, for he is coming to judge the earth. He shall judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with his truth. As his people we say, Maranatha! Come, Lord Jesus. For more connections, visit our website at larrystam.org or 
Sierra Larry Stan Ministries Facebook page. Michael Brown returns tomorrow with more scripture-based insight that will help you build an unshakable faith. Be sure to tune in on your favorite radio station by downloading our SWRC mobile app or by simply subscribing to our daily Watchman on the Wall podcast. Watchman on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and has been supported for over 90 years by faithful listeners just like you. Please visit our website, swrc.com. That's swrc.com.